Hey, Chloe. Hi, Rash. How are you going? Well, I'm pretty happy. I'm sitting here with my, my banana award. <laughs> Shall we give our dear listeners context on the banana award? Sure. Yeah. Well, let's just let, let first of all, let's so okay. So guys, the banana award is something that my amazing training team do uh, internally. It's basically come from, you know, <laughs> the Gwen Stefani song, This Shit is Bananas. <laughs> When something's just like, oh, no, I can't believe I did that. It's that moment. That's when you get a banana award. It's you can give you... yourself a banana award. You can you can bestow a banana award on someone. It's when you make <laughs> a, 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 real, a real amateur mistake, basically. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. And look, Raph uh, historically has been quite untouchable in regards to the banana award. Like we haven't had to, the, you know, Within my team, we've thrown many a banana at each other's head, lovingly. Like we all, we we love and appreciate the banana award, but we haven't we haven't needed to hurl a banana you <laughs> just yet until until yesterday. What what happened yesterday, Ralph? Well, uh, we recorded a, just a sizzling episode of the podcast yesterday, didn't we, Chloe? It was freaking awesome. It was on fire, like it was like. <laughs> There was like, I feel at one point, wasn't there fire coming out of my knees? I remember. Yeah. Like it was, this episode was on fire. You guys would have just been I like, could, I could oh, it's hear one of their brains melting today. around the world. It was awesome. My brain was melting. Like I lapped up the info that you, like it was, it was hot. You guys what are going to love that episode. Like it is such a fucking awesome episode yeah. too, by the way. What happened to, and I remember that the moment distinctly because I looked at the clock. It was, it was, we were one hour and one minute in to our recording. What happened? Yeah. Well, I just noticed that I'd forgotten to hit record. And I was like, no, oh, what? no, what? No, no, you have to hit record, Ralph. No. You're like, no, no, for some reason it's not recording. Yeah, and we know what that reason is. <laughs> you forgot to hit record. Hey, Ralph, have you hit record? I'm just... I thinking. have. Well, the red okay. the red light's on. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, so Raf, Raf got his first banana award, which has just, I mean, what that has done is just bring him closer to my team. Mm. And, um, yeah, so and bonus, <laughs> welcome to the fold, Raf. Thanks. And, and you know, I'm, I'm proud. I'm a proud, proud holder of the banana award. And also, bonus, you know, we get to have another chat, so that's fun. We, well, we get to have another chat, and actually, I personally, like from a purely selfish point of view, I took so much away from yesterday's chat um, for my own learning, so I am grateful for that one-on-one time with you. <laughs> so, thank you. So, it was absolutely, you know, it was fantastic for me. And for our beautiful listeners out there, well, we're going to we're going to repeat and there might be even some extra great nuances that we add on today because that's what happens when you do something a second time, hey? Mm. Hey, um, how's your dating life going? <laughs> so this came this came up, the, the segue, that's, that's probably seemed really random to our listeners. Yesterday it, it smoothly segued in to um, to the conversation. Well, we, let's – okay, there's a few things I want people – well, just it was a right, just, just say, just say, just say when, um, when they're like, "Oh, what? You're in your forties and you run? Yeah. Aren't you going to burn your knees out?" So just say, just say you're out on a date with somebody, and um, <laughs> you know, 
And, you know, you're talking about, oh, you know, I'm into this and what bands do you like and, you know, whatever people talk about on dates, I don't know. But, you know, yeah. and it, the topic comes up of like, what are you into? And you say, I'm into running. Running, yeah. I love, a, I love running. Yeah. Love it. It's my jam. And then they're like, wait a second. Pretty sure you're in your 40s. Like, oh, yeah. Well, you shouldn't do that because you're going to wear your knees out. And, that, and that's, that's the end of the date, right? Pretty much because then I can't help but go into an explanation as to why that is incorrect, <laughs> which never really kind of goes down that well. Ah, so that doesn't anyway. put you off. That doesn't put you off. You're not like, oh, okay, yeah, no, this is not a good fit for me. You're like, oh, no, this, great. Well. this is an opportunity to educate this person. Yeah, I do go with that first. Mm-hmm. Great. To date, it's never changed anyone's opinion, okay. I must admit, in that moment. Um, Batting zero. <laughs> so yes, it's the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So I think. <laughs> so if you like running, <laughs> you know where my DMs are. Um, no, but we, we must not turn this into a dating show. But yeah, that that was there was a whole dating conversation that happened yesterday. Um, yes, <laughs> and I do love running uh, and uh, fearless movement. So, yeah, the first thing I'd really like to do today, though, is is a big shout out to two of our youngest listeners, who I am huge fans of, uh, Joe Scurry's uh, amazing little girls, Daphne and Poppy. So a big hello to Daphne and Poppy. Hey, Daphne. Hey, Poppy. I think you're both absolutely wonderful. And I know that Daphne and Poppy both love doing Pilates. And Daphne's advice to me when asked, you know, what would you like to tell Chloe by her mum was, hmm, keep doing Pilates. Good <laughs> I think that's I think that's great advice. Um, so, yeah, big shout out to you two. We think you are awesome. Mm. So yeah. what, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk. Well, I, I can. We can go into what we're going to talk about today, and then we need to address one more a, a, a great question that's come through on my DMs. All right. What well, would you like to do yeah, first? Let's, let's do the question. Yeah, let's do the question first. That's what I was thinking. So, um, we have been encouraging you guys to reach out to us if you've got any questions, any topics. Um, so, big props that you guys have started doing that and also uh, wanting to let you know that it's it's a really safe place as well. Um, so f- please feel free to, to message me. Um, for the most part, I would like to be able to uh, answer the questions on air. Uh, I think that's a that's a good way good way to do it. So I'll always ask your permission in that. Um, so yeah, big big props, and please don't think that any question is a stupid question because your curiosity you're showing in 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 asking a question, you know, and and not just I don't know ex- accepting what you already you know have been told as as. As, as a truth, um, takes, I think, a, a lot of courage. It shows um, that, you know, you're, you're willing to start, you know, to get those critical thinking juices flowing or you're already getting them flowing. And, yeah, so I, I think it's awesome. 
So I'm just going to I'm going to read this message verbatim um, without uh, mentioning the the person's name. However, this person is happy for me to um, read the read the message out on air. So thank you so much um, to this listener. So the message is, hey, I've been enjoying your podcast. I had a quick question in brackets. I have so much to learn. The more I think I know, the less I actually do. Don't worry. That's all of us. We all feel the same. And in fact, the more you know, (laughs) you know, when we think about things like pain, like the more we try and, you know, we look for specific things, the more we know that that's just not it. You know, it is, everything's multifactorial. Right, Ralph? Seems that way. Seems that way. Yeah. So it's a normal way to feel. The question is, with extension slash backbending, I found that if I don't scoop slash engage my abs, I overarch in my T12 L1. I found this in a couple of others too. I feel I have to try and lengthen my lumbar whilst using my abs to help in order to achieve a bend, but not an aggravated arch. Am I doing something wrong? Question mark. Good question. Good question. Do you know why I reckon that's a good question? Why? Well, because it's 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 questioning assumptions. Mm. You know. Um, So uh, yeah, thanks, mystery listener, for asking that question. So what we're going to do is we're kind of going to give a a a short form answer because ultimately we could go into. and a, a full a full episode on this, um, which, and, which and we, we will. will. Do. Yeah, we will do. Yeah. So we'll do an episode on the biomechanics of, of spinal extension and backbending, uh, and the anatomy of it. And um, yeah. but for now, let's just uh, give. Yeah, could give you give a, a could you give a short? Could you? I think you're better at explaining this succinctly than I am, Raf. So I'd love you to give a short form on this. Okay. Well, my take uh, on. Um, on this from a biomechanical standpoint is that the the anatomy of the spinal bones is such that um, in your lumbar spine um, the facet joints which are the basically between every pair of vertebrae between every pair of spinal bones you've got three joints Uh, one joint is the intervertebral disc that's between the, the vertebral bodies um and then at the back of those vertebral bodies there are a left and a right facet joint on each vertebra. So you've got um, an intervertebral disc and two facet joints. And uh, the facet joints in the lumbar spine, the lower back, are shaped in such a way that the lumbar spine has a large range of motion into extension. So the lumbar spine can bend backwards a long way. Mm. Um, And also because of the, the, the shape of the those same facet joints in the lumbar spine, the lumbar spine can't rotate very far at all. So, um, And this is just because of the bony structure. Um, the lumbar spine bends backwards a lot. Like, you know, the, the average would be somewhere around like 80 to 90 degrees, you know, so pretty close to a right angle. Um, and that would be kind of for a sort of healthy young adult sort of thing. Um, um, but, you know, the thing with averages is, you know, half of the people in the world have more and half of the people in the world have less. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so yeah. don't, don't get too, uh, you know, worried if you're, you know, more or less than that. Yeah. Um, and then in the thoracic spine, which is your middle and upper back, uh, 
the facet joints are shaped you know, differently to the lumbar spine and they're oriented in such a way that actually they pretty much block extension. So the thoracic spine's got very, very limited extension, um, but uh, has great rotation in terms of the structure of the vertebrae. So the 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 thoracic spine is capable of you know somewhere on the order of 10 degrees of extension you know it's very very limited um whereas it's capable of quite a large range of rotation i don't have the number um you know with me but it's it's you know it's quite considerable it's certainly like an order of magnitude more than the lumbar spine um and then we have this the region uh that the 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 question is about which is the T12L1. So the T12 is your bottom thoracic vertebra, so basically the bottom of your rib cage, and your L1 is your top lumbar vertebra, so the the top of your low back. So this is kind of in your, I don't know, your lower mid back, I guess you'd probably call it, or it's the joint between your mid back and your lower back. Um, and so the you know the like I said a minute ago, the 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 facet joints in the lumbar spine are you know oriented in such a way that they allow extension but prevent rotation, whereas the facet joints in the thoracic spine are oriented in such a way that they allow rotation and prevent extension. Um, but they don't, it's not the case that all of the lumbar facets are one way and then, you know, the T12, you know, the, the L1 is 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 one way, then the T12 kind of is radically different. There's kind of a transitional, um, you know, area where the, you know, the, 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 the L1, the T12, the T11, the T10, they kind of, you know, they transition from a lumbar shape to a thoracic shape. You know, so progressively as you go higher and higher up the spine from the lumbar spine, the the shape changes progressively until around about, you know, somewhere like T9, T10, there, you know, you're firmly in like the thoracic shape. So uh, what that means is that the lowest thoracic vertebra, you know, in is is more similar to a lumbar vertebra than you know the the other thoracic vertebrae are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you know, I guess the you know the the upshot of all of that is the lumbar spine and the very very low thoracic, you know, your T twelve, um, bend backwards a lot, and this is just an anatomical property of the, of the structure of those bones. Um, whereas the the th- the rest of the thoracic basically doesn't bend you know, like 10 degrees total range of motion from full flexion to full extension, basically. Um, so, uh, you know, are you doing something wrong? No, I think that's very normal, what you've described um, of, you know, movement you know, at that joint. Um, you know, I guess something that for me that's a bit of a yellow flag is the word that you used, aggravated, mm. you know, which to me is there's a, there's a, a lot of negative sort of, emotion with that like aggravated i can't think of anything good that might come of that you know aggravated doesn't sound like something you want um whereas in reality uh, i think what you're describing is as is a full range of motion at that joint which i think is a good thing um and yeah it's interesting to me that um you know as a as a profession and probably in the whole kind of movement world we have these, you know, value judgments that we kind of unconsciously and implicitly make about different joints, and we kind of talked about this a little bit in the good and bad muscles episode. But I think we did, yeah. Yeah, but like basically, you know, the idea about you know um, movement at joints is different depending on the joint. So, for example, if we talk about hips, right? Well, who wants to have you know stiff 
hips that don't move. No, people want to Yeah, have- we talk about full range of motion yeah. through the hips and we, you know, Pilates instructors tend to cue that a lot, et cetera. And then it's like, but why would we not want full range of motion through? <laughs> right. We want to open, you know, we well. want to, we want to open our hips, but we're, mm. we're, we seem to be afraid of moving the spine and we feel like if the spine moves, you know, through a large range of motion, that that must be a bad thing. Um, and the truth is, it's not. It's it's a fine thing. It's it's a joint. It's des- you know, it's a set of joints. They're designed to move. You know, if your spine was not meant to move, it would be a single bone, um, like your femur, your thigh bone. You know, that's an example of a bone that's not designed to move. We um, would be like Tin Men. Yeah, we'd be like Tin Men. So but also, I'm just wondering too whether you know that the, the I, I absolutely aggravate is 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 has negative con- connotations. I'm wondering too though whether that's a referring to, you know, we're referring to a, potentially a sensation perhaps. Um, and so to me that then that does loop in with, you know, we don't like feeling our upper traps. We don't like feeling our wrists. We don't like feeling our knees. We don't like feeling our, like dif- different things yeah. we don't like feeling. But when we're loading those things, you know, when we're working those things through range, we, we may have a sensation that potentially, you know, is – somewhat unpleasant yeah. we we might like i tell you what anytime you know me in back extension raf i'm so guy for those that don't know me i'm pretty much a walking plank like put me in any sort of plank position i'll like love it it's my jam right love it could plank for days but put me in a back bend and i'm like i still look like i'm in a plank and that's not for want of <laughs> trying to relax into that back bend um but you know it's just me anatomically but, you know, so back extension work for me doesn't feel like yummy, doesn't feel like I'd much prefer to do a million teasers going the opposite way and feeling my abs burn than, you know, bending back the other way. And 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 sometimes I'll even, you know, pull up a bit sore afterwards. Doesn't mean I've done anything wrong. Doesn't mean I've hurt myself, injured myself, et cetera. Simply means... I have worked mm. that part of my body. Yeah. I've loaded that part of my body. There, there can be a discomfort associated with backbending, but then again, Nick, I mean, if you like stretch your hamstrings, right, if you sit there and do a forward bend and touch your toes, like, well, there's a lot of discomfort associated with that for a lot of people, but we don't have the same level of fear, I think, around that mm. that we do around backs, you know, and so we mm. sort of have this no- cultural notion, I think, that backs are something that you shouldn't feel discomfort or pain in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that if you do that, that's, you know, that's something to be concerned about. And uh, yep. I guess what I'd like to say to, you know, the person who asked this is like, don't worry about it. You know, it's, it, it sounds like you've got a great range of motion in your back. My advice yeah. is, um, yeah. you know, allow yourself your full free range of motion. Don't worry about contracting your abs. I would say just, just relax your abs, let your belly puff out. Yep. Go into your full natural back bend that you have. Like when you when you do a forward bend, I'm assuming. Like if you do a forward bend, you don't contract your hamstrings, do you? When you mm. do a forward bend, well, what would happen if you contracted your hamstrings when you did forward bend? Is like you wouldn't bend as far forward, mm. and that's the same thing that happens when you do a back bend. If you contract your abs, you just can't bend as far backward. So, um, it you know, I think uh, I would just say, really, um, with love and respect, you're way overthinking it, uh, and just like relax and enjoy it and don't worry. Yeah. Oh, great. All right. hope that helps. Thanks, Raph. Yeah, and, yeah. And we'll I do a full episode too. on it some other time. Yeah. And again, thank you. Thank you for the question. And, and yeah, it, please, guys, you know, message, message us 
message us anytime and we can we can bring it to the bring it to the podcast. And before we move on, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has answered our call of throwing us a five-star review uh, on the Apple Podcast app and leaving us your beautiful written reviews. You have pushed us to the very top of the search list. So now when um, you type in Pilates into the Apple Podcast app, it defaults to Pilates Elephants. And that's awesome because uh, that, you know, like thank you so much for doing that. Like your ratings and your reviews really make a big difference because that pushes the podcast up the, the rankings and that means that people find it more easily and that means that pe- you know more people are going to listen and that means that, you know, more people are going to hopefully uh, be exposed to the ideas of around, you know, science-based thinking and fearless movement and you know myth busting within the Pilates world and, mo- and elevating the conversation in the Pilates world out of the kind of bog of uh, pseudoscience and um, dogma and up into the elevated stratosphere of things that actually work and letting go of old ideas and just doing what science tells us actually is the best. So um, yeah, thanks, wow. thanks for your contribution to that. That was an awesome summary, Raf. I feel like I need to listen back to that and and write that down. That was just fantastic. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. We see the reviews. We appreciate the reviews. Um, so please keep them coming. You're, you're helping elevate, elevate. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So without further ado, whew, our intros are getting longer and longer, aren't yeah. they? I mean, that was that basically was that. an episode. <laughs> okay. See, see you next week. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think I think we can have a bit more of a chat. Uh, I I like the the, the elephant uh, in the room that we are the Pilates elephant in the room we are talking about today is that uh, low load, lightweight, uh, reduced range of motion, etc., uh, is better better for the body, better for the joints, better for the discs, better for the better better. Yeah, so don't don't wear out your body by using heavy weights. High impact. Is that what we, is that what you is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Sure is. This is this is where the the da- the, the dating convo came in when I was uh. like, because because this is prevalent for me. I see this in um, I see this in instructors, but I also see it's definitely a misconception in our clients, and it's a it's a misconception out there that the the body as machine. And yeah. I also want to loop into it, um, which I think is a relevant convo too. The that heavy weights, quote unquote, bulk you up, which is also uh, a classic one that our clients bring to us when yeah. uh, you know it's and and I've put my hand up and say, hey, when I first started doing Pilates, I didn't want to go too heavy on my footwork springs in case mm-hmm. I was going to mm-hmm. bulk those quads up. So I'd like to bust open those myths. So I think a good place to start is the antiquated. Do you think the good place to start is the antiquated notion of the body as a machine that wears down yeah. and breaks down. Yeah, I think it's just a. I think it's a. It's a metaphor that has uh, served its purpose, and, and we now need to let it go and move on. So, yeah, as humans, we use metaphors a lot, and um, the metaphor that I think most of us have of the body that we inherited from the the nineteenth century really is that the body is a a, a machine. Um, 
of cogs and levers and you know that the nervous system is is electrical wires uh, and that uh, you know like a machine we can adjust the cogs and levers so it functions more correctly um, and that it wears out like a machine um, and that's just not that's just not true um, it's it's not an accurate description of of reality so um, mm. the hum, humans you know we're we're biological organisms we're not machines and uh, biological organisms do something that machines don't do currently which is we adapt to stress by getting stronger so if you if you have a you know a machine like a bicycle or a car or something and you you know use it for a long period of time eventually it wears out you know the parts start to wear out um, and that is that's not how humans work like if if, if you actually take your car and drive it up a hill really fast, like really put your foot on the floor and accelerate as hard as you can up the hill, and if you go and do that, say, three times a week for a year, at the end of that year, your car will not have somehow rebuilt itself so it's faster and stronger at getting up that hill and uses fuel more efficiently. Um, what will have happened is you will have worn it out a bit. And it will be a bit less efficient than it was before you accelerated up the hill all those times. Whereas if you actually take your own legs and run up that same hill as fast as you can, you do that three times a week for a year, actually you will get stronger. And so that's a fundamental difference between humans and and machines is that humans respond to stress by getting stronger. And another sort of element of that is that actually humans we require stress for normal function right so if you take your car and you uh, take it into the garage and you you know jack it up and you put it on blocks and you put a cover over it and you know you drain out all the oil and you let the tires down and leave it there for 40 years then you come back and you take the cover off and you fill it up with oil and you pump the tires up with air and you check the petrol and the water and all of that and then you jump in it, it's going to be exactly as you left it, right? It's not going to be any better or any worse, assuming you left it in a you know cool, dry garage or whatever. Whereas if you take yourself, right, your body, and you went in, say, like a flotation tank, right, to take a, a similar kind of metaphor where you basically take all stress off your body, right? So you, you're floating in this weightless environment. If you, if you floated there for six months – you, you would be in terrible shape physically. Like you, your, your bones would become thinner and less dense, less strong. Your muscles would wither and atrophy. Your tendons and ligaments would become thinner and weaker and more brittle. Your blood vessels would, uh, you know, be, uh, would, you would, you have fewer blood vessels. Your heart would not pump as efficiently. You, your lungs would not work as well. Your liver would be deconditioned like there would be so many physical problems that you would have as a result of not having any stress on your body for that six mm. months so we actually require stress for normal function um, which is different to a machine a machine actually does better when it doesn't have any stress you know like if you mm. if, if you put your car you know put your car in this stress-free environment for six months it'll be totally fine it'll be as good as new whereas if you drive it every day for that six months it'll be in worse shape Right. Mm. Whereas humans are the opposite. If if you exercise every day for six months, you'll be in better shape. Whereas if you 
sit there and do nothing for six months, you'll be in worse shape. So the, I think the metaphor of body as machine just you know plainly is not applicable um, in you know in in many situations. Now, obviously, there is a limit to how much stress a human will benefit from. Right, so if you went and ran up a hill and did that twenty-three hours a day for a week, you know you'd be in pretty poor shape. Um, so there is some kind of upper limit on how much stress is ideal, but there's also a lower limit. And uh, what we see in the world today, uh, and this is you know very uncontroversial, that you know the vast majority of humanity, particularly in the developed world, are uh, we're we're getting not enough stress on our bodies, you know. The vast majority of adults in developed countries don't meet physical activity guidelines. You know, we have that's mm. why we have this, you know, or one of the reasons why we have this, you know, epidemic of obesity and overweight and, you know, lifestyle diseases like diabetes, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, it's not the case that uh, we need to worry about doing too much. It's actually we need to worry about doing too little mm. that is a problem. Mm. And uh, I love the notion uh, that you have uh, spoken about um, just this week, actually, in our our incredible new uh, diploma uh, for 2021. And it's something that's really resonated uh, with the students as well, because it was something they really picked up on and wanted to speak to me about last night um, in our tutorial, is the notion that we are anti-fragile. Yeah, that's that's something from... um a fellow called Nassim Taleb. Um, and yeah, the notion is basically similar to what I just said, but basically when you have something that's fragile, like imagine like a really fine wine glass, like a really expensive Rydell wine glass or something. Basically, you know, if you want that to stay safe and in one piece, the best thing you can do is basically never put it away and never touch it. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> Pack the good china away. Right. Because any time you interact with that glass – like if yeah. you drink from it, if you wash it, if you polish yeah. it, if you move it to a different cupboard, the chance of it breaking increases with every single one of those actions, right? Yeah. So regardless of what you do to it, anything you do to it basically increases its chance of breaking. Whereas if you just leave it alone perfectly still at the back of the cupboard and never never touch it, right, that gives it its greatest chance of not breaking, right? So basically it's fragile means it's very, very sensitive to stress, right, to disorder, right? Basically, any change from just sitting there doing nothing, it's only going to be bad, right? You're never going to pick it up and wash it or polish it or drink from it at the end go, oh, this glass is in better condition now than it was before I, you know, used it. It's like, no, it's only ever going to get worse. Oh, after, well, I'm currently you know. I'm currently getting flashbacks of all the good glasses that I have smashed. Right, <laughs> right. And so that's the nature of fra- fragile objects is they are very, very – sensitive to, you know, changes in the environment or, in other words, stressors, yeah. right? Yeah. So you, you can't knock it or bump it or twist it or, you know, bend it or whatever very much at all before it's going to break. And we often, you know, if you think about, like, okay, what's the opposite of fragile? Well, often, you know, people come up with things like robust or resilient, you know, so think like a Tonka truck or something or, a, you know, just something really, you know, I think a Tonka truck's a really good example. Whereas, you know, if you, if you, Take that Tonka truck, and which is kind of a, this really sort of strong little toy, metal toy truck um, that many of us played with when we were kids. And, you know, you could probably drop that from waist height onto a concrete floor and it would be fine. You could leave it out in the sandpit overnight. It'd be fine. You could kick it down the stairs and it'll be fine. You know, like you can do, it can take a lot of punishment, right? But it's 
not the opposite of fragile because fragile is something that is very, very sensitive. Like any amount of stress increases the chance that it's going to break, right? Whereas the opposite of that is not something that doesn't break. It's the it's something where any amount of stress decreases the chance that it's going to break, right? So the more mm. stress you apply to it, the, the less chance you have of breaking it. Right. And that's what happens with humans. Right. So if, if, if you want to, if you're in sport and you want to minimize your risk of injury, well, what you need to do is gradually build up to strength training, you know, like a high amount of strength training. Like the, the, the stronger you are, the less chance you have of getting injured in sport. That's a statistical mm-hmm. fact. And so, you know, how do you get stronger? Well, you apply stress to your, body, you know, to your bones and joints and ligaments and muscles, okay, in the form of exercise, you know, lifting weights or pulling on springs or running up a hill or whatever it might be. And it's that stress that actually makes you stronger and more able to tolerate stress, mm. right? So the more stress we apply to a human, the, the less fragile we get. So we are, in fact, anti-fragile. Wow. I love it. Mm. Me too. I love it. It's fantastic. Okay. Okay, so I think tick, the body is not a machine that wears out. The body is anti-fragile and we are an organism that, that thrives on some stress, progressive load, progressive, mm. yeah, tissue adaptation, mm. et cetera. Mm. Um, okay. Well, so just before we so, sort of move on from yeah. that, I think, you know, and, you know, talking to the, the sort of mentality that, you know, you've experienced on your dates, right, where, where you say, I run, and someone says, oh, that must be bad for your knees sort of thing. So I've, particularly, I, particularly at my age, oh, that yeah. seems to get looped into it. It's, I, it's, roll. I, I never, I never had anyone say that to me when I was in my 20s, mm. but it's it's now that I'm in my 40s and dating other people in their 40s is that, that oh, you shouldn't be running in your 40s. Mm. Mm. Um, well, it's, it, it's kind of a weird um, dichotomy. I guess paradox, like it's it's kind of just a, a contradiction, really. That like we we seem to understand this notion in relation to muscles of anti fragility, right? So if you want your biceps muscle to get stronger, right? I mean, everybody intuitively knows what you do, right? <laughs> you do some biceps exercises, right? Mm-hmm. Of some description, some pull ups or some bicep curls or whatever it might be, right? And we 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 all sort of seem to intuitively grasp that when you apply load and stress to your biceps muscle and then wait a couple of days, like you get stronger. But we, because we understand the muscle is a living tissue and it adapts, right? Yet when we think about knees and we think about like the cartilage in your knees or the, the, the bone in your joints or whatever, it's like, well, they're living tissues as well, right? Bones are living tissues. They're made of cells. They have blood, blood supply in them. Cartilage is a living tissue. It's made of cells, Okay, and so like all living tissue, it adapts to you know its environment. And so if if you load your cartilage, if you load your bone, if you load your ligaments, your tendons, and then if you give them you know, proper rest and nutrition, and then load them again, and then just rinse and repeat that process, you know, over over a period of time, they adapt by getting stronger. And if we look at you know the 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 knee joints of you know power lifters and and weightlifters, we see that their tendons and their cartilage and stuff is thicker than you know people who don't apply those loads to their knees. That just kind of makes. I mean, it's just 
basically like logical when you think like, okay, well, loading your biceps, we understand that that makes your biceps stronger. Well, why would loading your knee not make your knee stronger? You know, I mean, mm. your knee's living tissue. Why, why would it be different? Mm. Okay. So we're going to talk about well, – I, I, I want to talk about cartilage health and, you know, about moving through ROM. I want to talk about lifting heavy weights and why that doesn't equate to bulky, you know, the misconception of that's going to make you bulky. So we want to talk about both of those things. Uh, what, where, where, should we, where should we segue from there then? Well, I, you know what? I was thinking about this because um – you know, we talked about both of those topics on the in the banana cast yesterday, yeah. and um, <laughs> and I was thinking, you know what? Like maybe that's two separate podcasts. You know, like one's about uh, joint yeah. health it and did, one's, it one. It did feel like big topic. Yeah. So I'm going to vote for the let's not bulk up. Okay. Okay. And and we will promise you great. We'll promise you another another episode on 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 joints and after the back end one. That, and and I think we'd, what about an episode on how running's actually really awesome for your knees and yeah. your discs? Yeah, is that a whole episode as well? I don't know. We, we'll start out and see how long it takes. Okay. Might be a fifteen minute. Because <laughs> all of these things just thrill me. They're so great and they're so empowering. Okay, so Raph, I've come to my reformer class and I don't want to bulk up those thighs, so I'm going to. Um, and by the way. Guys, this is all being a bit tongue-in-cheek and I have no preference for whatever anyone's thighs look like or any – like I just want to make that super-duper clear um, before we go on in regards to, to body image. But what I will say is that I have in the past, many, many, many years ago, this has gone through my mind <laughs> and I've had a lot of clients verbalise it to me. So that's why I want to go with it. Um, so, yeah, this is – let's imagine this is Chloe 10-plus years ago and I've come on in and I'm like, oh, no, there's no way I'm doing three three full springs on the reformer with my footwork. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to bulk my muscles up. I don't want bulky muscles. Yeah. Talk, 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 me, talk me through – the the myth like talk me through my misunderstanding in that for of past Chloe. Yeah, well, I think you know, I think there's two levels, and you've already alluded to the first one, um, on which you know, I guess I have I find that objectionable that notion. The first one is that like, well, what's wrong with women having bulky thighs and feel being muscular and you know, powerful physically, you know. It's like, and also who decided what, what, what is the definition of bulky yeah. as well? Do you know what I mean? Like it's like when we're talking about before about words and we're like, well, aggravating, aggravating has yeah. a negative connotation. Bulky. Would, would you agree that bulky also For has sure. a negative connotation? Totally. Yeah, it's like, totally. it's like, oh, yeah. Women I'm don't get like, bulky. Women get toned. Hey, and you know? you know what bugs me too? I was thinking about this. Actually, this is going to be a little bit of a rat. I went into a clothes shop not long ago. And tried on some jeans. Now, I didn't give them any other – I just wanted to, you know, pair, I didn't give them any, like, it needs to tick this, this, and this box. And the the assistant was, oh, yeah, they're really flattering. They're really flattering. They're really slimming. But I hadn't walked in and said, hey, I want a pair of jeans that makes me look a certain way. Yeah, but slimming, it, is, slimming is flattering, Chloe. 
<laughs> and again, guys, please listen to the nuances in our t- look out for the nuances Air in quotes. our tone. Air quotes. Air quotes. I think we have to be conscious of that sometimes, Raph, because we can come across a bit dry. Um, I actually walked out of there feeling a bit shit about myself. Didn't take me long to get over it. Like I bounced back pretty quick, but it was like who you know or or someone said oh, i was getting these pants and someone said oh but they're not gonna that sort of material doesn't hold you in i'm like what when did i put up my hand and said i needed it or wanted or desired anything to be held in i think these pants are sexy as hell it's it's this it's it's i think you know it's other people putting their perception on yeah anyway i've gone i've gone on a bit of a rant but yeah. well, I, I, I think it's body image saying, really yeah. bugs me it really bugs me because then and, and i feel there's things i don't i don't know I'm assuming men have pressure with this as well. Uh, but, yeah, just that connotation that, of course, I would want to look slim. Yeah, fuck that. I would want to be held in. Yeah. And I would not feel sexy or whatever I wanted to feel in those clothes. I wouldn't feel those things without those things happening. Yeah. That, to me, is like, nah, that's not cool. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, like, anyway, if you, you have, know, yeah. if you want to have fucking monster fucking thighs – Go. Good for Go. you. Do it. Be, you know? Just be you. Own it. Rock it. You know? We're um, all awesome. Yeah. And uh, all right. And so, but secondly, uh, I'm sorry, if you do want to have monster thighs, you're not going to be able to do it on uh, on a reformer, most likely. Um, most likely, no. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, you know, when it's, it's, it's interesting, all of the kind of cultural baggage that we have about this at the moment, because... Uh, when we, you know, when we talk about uh, strength training and resistance training in relation to women, mostly, and I'm not talking about like women who power lift or women who Olympic weightlift or whatever, a bodybuild, but women in the Pilates world, and I think a lot probably in the personal training world as well, um, we're allowed to use certain words, but not other words. So we're allowed to use like get stronger. We're allowed to use, you know, toning, um, but we're not allowed to use like words like muscle growth. Or hypertrophy, um, which really um, means the same thing um, as those other words. <laughs> no, everyone then, wants to. Don't, doesn't the, doesn't Pilates make you longer, long le- longer, and leaner, lean, longer, leaner, longer muscles, leaner yeah. no bulky muscles? It's it's everywhere yeah, in yeah, the advertising. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, the 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 reality is that when you you can't make your muscles longer no, either. You can't anyway, make your another, muscles longer and that's a, that's a whole that's mm. a whole episode, the other episode mm. <laughs> where you can't lengthen your muscles. Anyway, um, so yeah, so when when you do strength training or resistance training, <laughs> oh, the you, mix are getting to me, Raph. <laughs> I'm having a well, moment. There's so much BS out there, isn't there? There is, but you know we've got we've got a good big shovel and we're we're working away at it. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Okay, I'm over. I'm alright. Yeah. I'm I'm okay again. Um, so yeah, when you when you strength train, um, it's been uh, you know there's there's quite a large amount of literature on strength training because it's in it's it's kind of inherently valuable for pretty much every professional sport. Like if you think about football or you know any any kind of sport. Um, you know, strength training is a part of it. Even you know, things like golf and table tennis. You know, strength training is very significant for. So you know, it improves performance, and there's big money in it. So there's lots and lots and lots of research in, on this over the last say forty or fifty years. So it's a, it's an area of research that's pretty well understood. Um, and so what is what has emerged very very clearly, and this this is I would say a consensus. I would I would you know 
think you would struggle to find any researcher that would disagree with this statement I'm about to make, which is that resistance training with light, moderate, and heavy loads all result in the same amount of muscle growth. That it's it's just (laughs) not the case that training with heavier loads makes your muscles grow more and training with lighter loads makes your muscles longer and leaner. That's just a complete and utter non-truth. It's just a myth. Well, and I feel like it's almost uh, a construct of marketing a little bit too, dare I say. It sounds, you know. I think, yeah. yeah. You know, like when, when you know, I mean, when I was a kid back in personal trainer school in sort of like the mid-1990s, they told me that there was this like, you know, certain rep range where if you did, you know, 12 to 15 reps or whatever. I remember I that. I can't remember how many reps it was, but it was like that's the hypertrophy range. That's where you get, you know, muscle growth. And if yes. you do like one to six reps, you know, that's when you get strength. And if you do like 15 plus reps, that's when you get endurance. Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. I and remember that. There is something to that in the strength and endurance element. Like if you do more reps, mm. you get more endurance. If you do fewer reps with higher load, you get yeah. more strength. But in yeah. terms of the hypertrophy uh, range, that's not a real thing. Um, if if you equate the number of sets that you do across the week, you know, so if you do like, you know, 10 reps and you can't do an 11th one, that's one set. And then if you wait a few minutes and do that again, you know, that's a second set. And so if you equate the number of sets that you do across the week with a light load or a medium load or a heavy load, you get essentially identical amounts of muscle growth with each weight, right? It doesn't make any difference. So, yeah, it's and we see that repeatedly. That's that's something that's very robust finding. It's been you know, replicated dozens, scores of times. So uh, yeah, um, and you know, so you know, taking weight off just means you have you know two possibilities. One is you actually don't get anywhere near reaching fatigue, right? In which case, basically the 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 workout has minimal effect, or you do get to fatigue, but it just takes you a lot longer to get there, right? You have to do many more reps to get to fatigue with a lighter weight. Mm. So it just takes you longer to get the same result, right? Yep. So if you if you put on a weight or a spring resistance or whatever that you can only do 10 reps, like just say you're doing like one-legged footwork, right, and you put on f- five full springs, depending on what brand of equipment you're on. I mean, most people could still do like 20 or 30 or 40 of those, I reckon, um, but just say you bought a special reformer, it only had like, and we bolted, just say we did a Mad Max reformer, right? And we bolted another five springs on it. So now you've got 10 springs and we mm-hmm. put all 10 springs on and now you're doing one-legged footwork on 10 springs, right? Um, I'm liking this Mad Max reformer with 10 springs on it. I was going to yeah. say the guys last night in the dip shoot wanted to see if I could do one rep of single leg footwork on all springs and I couldn't I couldn't get it all the way out. Really? Couldn't get it all the way yeah. out? Yeah. No. All right. No. All right. Well, maybe then, we don't need to. But now they're going to they're gonna test me each week, though, to see how much stronger I get. Bless okay, them. great. Well, maybe we don't need to do the Mad Max reformer then. I don't so, think – well, for, for me, for me, you don't. For you, I'm sure you wouldn't have an yeah, issue doing it. Yeah. But I genuinely – we loaded me up all springs to see if I could do one rep. And I couldn't, okay. I, couldn't right, get, I couldn't get the whole way All right. So if you if you then took one spring off and you did like full one leg footwork on three three full springs, right? So you might be able to punch out, I don't know, eight or ten reps, something like that maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that would take you, you know, to do eight or ten reps, 
Um, it might take you, I don't know, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, something like that. Uh, and in that 20 seconds, you reach a point of basically momentary fatigue in the muscle. You basically get close to the point where you can't continue. Yeah. Um, and so that at that point, you've triggered a sort of um, hormonal and neurological uh, cascade of events in your body that basically, res- you know, trigger your you know, or signal your muscle to rebuild themselves stronger than before mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. the next, you know, sort of 48 to 72 hours, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, once you've done your eight to 10 reps and you're like, holy crap, I can't do one more, or maybe I could do one or two more, but I, I'm going to stop and leave one or two in the tank. Um, when you get to that point, like your work is done, right? You've achieved the result of stimulating your muscles to get stronger. Whereas if you took off two springs, you did it on, say, two springs, right? Single leg footwork on two springs. How many reps do you reckon you could do on two springs? Single leg. Oh, well, I don't, I don't want to build myself up too much. I'd still get burning, but you know, like, what, 20 plus? Okay. Let's say you can do, say, 25, right? And yeah. this is not to when it starts to burn. This is when you physically can't do another one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So let's say 25. Um, now, so that's how long, how long is that going to take you? 25 reps. It might take you like 40 seconds, 50 seconds, something like that. So now no, it's taking- I'm right next to a reformer now. We could, I, I could actually do this experiment, but we won't. Okay. Well, it's going to take you twice as long, right? Because twice yeah. as many reps, right? And you're going to have more burning, right? You're yeah. having that discomfort for a longer time. And you achieve the exact same result. So you get the, you know, at a, at a, a physiological level, at, at, at a chemical level within the muscle, like the same shit happens, right? When you do a set of 25 on two springs and you get to the point of like, holy crap, I can't do another one. Or if you do a set of 10 on three springs and get to that same point of holy crap, I can't do another one, right? It's the point of holy crap, I can't do another one. That's the trigger that stim, you know, that sort of sets in motion that stimulus for your muscles to rebuild themselves stronger. Now, you don't have to go right to the point of failure where you literally can't do another one. It's actually better if you stop a couple of reps before that point, right? When I say a couple, I mean like two or three reps, right? Not 10 reps, not 15 reps, you know, two or three reps before the point where you physically can't continue. So if you do 10 reps, or if you can do 10 reps, right? Well, if you do seven or eight and stop, you know, stop too short or three short, well, you're going to get basically the maximum possible stimulus to enhance the strength of that muscle. If you can do 25 reps, right, with a lighter weight, and so you stop after 22 or 23 reps, right, you're going to get the exact same stimulus. No more, no less, just exactly the same. And if you took off another spring, you know, and did one spring, single leg, how many reps do you reckon you could do there? Like 100? 200, 400. So what we're going to, yeah, I guess when my brain's just gone for a second, so my brain might be thinking about uh, the different thing because when I'm thinking about osteoporosis, for example, where we know that we need to, we need to get those micro bone bends happening and to do that we need to be lifting 80 plus percent of one RM, like heavy loads. So if we are, if we're talking about, you know, getting that same sort of, we're not getting the same sort of bone health though, are we from? No. So from the, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So here's the thing. Mm. Strength is not the same thing as muscle size. Cool. 
Yep. Uh, muscle size is one and very important contributing factor to strength, right? So you've probably noticed in your life that people with really big muscles tend to be sm- stronger than people with really small muscles, right? Mm. You know, that, that's a general general principle yeah. of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, there are people with, you know, fairly big muscles sometimes they're stronger than people who have bigger muscles than them. You know, like if you look at, for instance, the Olympic weightlifting, right? I'm talking about the at the Olympics, right? Yeah. There are people there who can, who can lift uh, triple their body weight above their head, right? And so these are people who weigh 60 kilos and can lift 180 kilos above their head. That's, that's mm. roughly the world record at the moment, right? It's amazing. So, and yet... There are people who are much bigger than that, you know, maybe bodybuilders, you know, who are like elite bodybuilders, right, you know, winning the, the, the Mr. Universe, whatever, who can't, yeah. who might weigh 130, 140 kilos, right, but can't lift 180 kilos above their head. Right? Mm. So muscle size is one important determinant of strength, but it's not the be-all and end-all. There are other factors involved mm. in strength, right? Um, now, but muscle size is very important, right? So it's, you know, I mean, if, if you have like a, someone with bigger muscles, like it's a reasonable assumption that they're probably stronger than the person with smaller muscles. It's, it's, you know, rare occasions when people with smaller muscles are are stronger. Um, now when you, when you exercise, like when you do resistance training, which is what basically Pilates is, um, you, you know, you're applying load to the muscle, uh, when you do that, you're, 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 there are s- several physiological and neurological um, processes that happen which result in you increasing your strength, right? And one of those is the muscle gets bigger. Uh, now, there are, there are at least three other factors that are important. So, but, but if you work with light loads, moderate loads or heavy loads, and if you work to that same point of like, you know, within two or three reps of, you know, when you can't continue – um, you'll get identical amounts of muscle growth with each one of those, um, you know, loads. However, there are other things that contribute to strength. So another thing that contributes to strength, uh, quite importantly, is uh, tendon stiffness. Right. Mm-hmm. So tendons connect your muscles to bones, and so when your muscle contracts, it pulls on the tendon, and the tendon pulls on the bone, and that's what causes you to move. Now tendons are a bit elastic; they're a bit stretchable, um, and when you do heavy strength training, you stimulate the tendon to become stiffer. So it, it becomes less mm. stretchable. You know, like think going from a flex band to one of those really thick power bands, right? It's still stretchable, but you have to exert a lot more force to make it stretch the same amount. So when your tendons are less stretchable, or in other words, stiffer, when the muscle pulls, the tendon doesn't lengthen, right, as much. In other words, it just pulls directly on the bone, Right, rather yeah. than the tendon stretching, which also means that the the muscle doesn't shorten as quickly, which allows the muscle to produce more force. But you know, I won't. I don't want to elaborate on that too much. But so basically, when your tendons become stiffer, that enhance. So that means that basically more of the force that the muscle produces is transferred directly to the bone. Right. So a given person with the same size muscles, if 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 there's someone with the same size muscles but with stiffer tendons. The person with stiffer tendons will be able to lift more or push mm. more or pull more, right? Yeah. Um, so that's another thing. But um, the thing that determines 
how much stiffer your tendons get is the total amount of tension that is put on the tendon, right? And so if you use a bigger weight or more springs, then you get more tension on the tendon, which means you get more stiffness in the tendon, which means you get more strength, right? So if you do lots and lots of you know, low load exercise, your muscles are going to grow just as much as if you do lots and lots of high load exercise, but your tendons aren't going to get as stiff, right? So you'll miss out on that aspect of, you know, that factor that contributes to strengthening. There are a few others, um, like um, when you do heavy strength training with with high loads, like above 80% of your maximum, um, uh, little proteins called costomeres uh, proliferate in between your muscle fibers and link, cross-link adjacent muscle fibers to each other. So basically when one muscle fiber activates, the force is transmitted sideways into the, the next door muscle fibers and they also pull on the tendon, which increases the tendon stiffness and basically improves the efficiency of force transmission. So that only happens also under high load. So if you do lots of low load training, your muscles will grow, but the the muscle fibers won't be cross-linked together as securely as if you do high load strength training, which stimulates those costomeres to proliferate in the in the the, the cytoplasm, sorry, in the in the cell wall, cell membrane, um, and and joins the muscle fibers together. And the 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 third thing um, is there is a neurological adaptation. So basically when you um, lift a very heavy load, you have to engage basically all of your muscle fibers. Um, and that is a skill, right? You, you have to fire a signal from your brain down your spinal cord through a nerve into that muscle. And you, you have to recruit all of those muscle fibers simultaneously. And that's a skill. Um, and so when you practice that skill, you get better at doing it. So when you practice with heavy loads, you get better at firing all of your muscle fibers simultaneously, or in other words, lifting heavy loads. So um, when you practice with light loads, you miss out on that mm. skill enhancement. So that's the reason why, you know, if you look at people who are like true strength athletes, like, you know, Olympic weightlifters, for instance, you never see them practicing with really light weights. I mean, they might do it as their, their warm up, right? But basically, you know, they never do like repping out with, you know, a light weight. They always lift heavy because, you know, it's one. It's more time efficient. Yeah, uh, and it's a lot more time efficient. Yeah. And and two, you 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 get uh, there's there's benefit beyond uh, what you get with moderate or light loads. And so there are also benefits on bone health um, and lot and you know lots of other aspects that that are maximized or you know some of them only happen with heavy loads, but not with light loads. So I guess you know that I mean that's all rather technical and and what have you, but I guess the the I guess the upshot from you know from where I sit is that okay well we know we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that training with light moderate or heavy loads causes the same amount of muscle growth right now you know mm-hmm. note to self if you're if you're you know female and not taking anabolic steroids like the amount of muscle growth that's going to cause is pretty minimal right and if, if you keep training and it's really hard for most people for most i know not all but for most women it's genuinely hard to to build up muscle mass to you know quote unquote bulk and i'm not i'm not sitting here because i know there'll be people listening going oh no you know all i have to do is smell a weight walk past a dumbbell and i 
feel like a bulk up, you know, like, a, yeah, so I don't want to generalize, but it, it's really tough. And I, you know, in our, in our bananas episode yesterday, I was um, talking about um, train with Joan, who, um, if you're not following already, you need to be on Instagram, train with Joan. She is now 75 um, and she turned her entire health, fitness, everything around uh, in her early 70s um, from being quite quite sedentary uh, with multiple comorbidities to uh, now being um, e- extremely fit, uh, extremely strong and extremely healthy and happy um, with life and joy. And I've also been – so if you're not following, I follow – if you talk about inspiration and, again – she doesn't lift light, you guys. She lifts heavy. <laughs> um, and she started lifting in her 70s and she has totally changed her health, well-being and increased her strength and increased her uh, muscle mass. Um, and I'm assuming bone health, the works, I can only assume. Um, and I've been following her daughter who, uh, is a personal trainer and, uh, coach and is 50 and she's also, and I, I feel like I constantly get the word wrong, a figure builder, figure uh, athlete. Bigger athlete, yeah, and I've been watching her prep. She's just won a, a, a competition and watching her prep for the competition. With that competition, uh, she was it was about cutting down, but with this next competition that she's going into, the aim is she needs to add size. And by add size, I'm meaning she needs to add muscle mass and just watching the journey and how, and she lifts really heavy. Like there's no mucking around. It's heavy, 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 heavy. Um, and her journey of needing to put on size and with what she in it, it's tough work. Mm. And it's yes. very, and and she has to be so mindful of her macros. So, you know, you, you spoke yesterday, Raph, about the amount of protein mm. that you'd need to consume to to even be a very doing large that. amount. A very large amount. Yeah. So you know, whacking three plus springs on your reformer for your footwork. Come on. Yeah. So, I mean, like if, if you've ever, you know, been involved with uh, even amateur bodybuilding, um, you know that, you know, people don't accidentally put on muscle. You know, like it, it's hard work, especially for women, especially for women over 40, um, just because of, hormone, you know, the levels of t- testosterone and estrogen, yeah. whatever that are floating around in your, in your bloodstream. Um, I'm finding it harder now I'm in my 40s. Definitely finding it harder, especially to build muscle in my arms, um, but it's, which is you know, frustrating. It's, it's still, still doable. But, oh, know, yeah, I've just got to put in a little bit more effort yeah, to be so, more consistent and, you know. <laughs> right. I think, you know, basically I think a useful concept uh, is the idea of kind of training sensitivity. So basically if, you know, the, like like you said before, there are some people that sort of can just walk past a dumbbell rack and they kind of – their biceps grow, um, whereas other people can sort of diligently train three days a week, you know, for – months without seeming to get much, you know, um, change in their body shape. Um, and so there are genetic differences in how people respond to strength training. Some people respond more quickly than others. Uh, and also gender differences. So, you know, people of you know, female biological gender 
just you know, don't have as much testosterone by a factor of about 20 times less testosterone testosterone than men. Uh, mm. Young men, um, you know, respond more quickly than older men. Um, people who are beginners respond much more quickly to mm. resistance training than more advanced people. So if you're if you're a beginner, if you've never done any you know resistance training, and you go along and do like one Pilates class a week for three months, you'll notice that you're you know you're toning up and your arms have got more definition and your you know bum is firmer and all of that stuff, right? Whereas if you are somebody who's been training for you know ten years, mm. four times a week. That's right. me. It does not. It doesn't do anything. Does nothing. Right? Visually, you, does nothing to me anymore. You, I'm like, oh. you need because to, <laughs> as you progress and get stronger, you need. You know, as you get stronger, you need to do more and more and more yeah. to get a smaller and smaller and smaller improvement. Right, mm. and that's why that the people at the very top end of you know competitive figure sports and strength sports are doing like ridiculous amounts of mm. training because they're searching for that extra quarter of a percent of you know gains. From yeah. you know, from an extra three hours a week of training, sort of thing, you know. Yep. Um, whereas you know, when you're starting from doing no training, if you just do like ten minutes a week, you like you know, five hundred percent improvement. You know, so yep. so. But the thing is, that plateaus out very quickly, right? So you go to a Pilates class once a week, and you do footwork on four springs, and you notice after four weeks, oh, holy crap, my jeans are getting tight around the thighs. Yeah, don't worry. You're not going to keep growing indefinitely, right? It's not yeah. like you're going to keep doing your one Pilates class a week on three springs or four springs, and then a year later, you you know you've you know you're not four dress sizes bigger or something. It's like no, you get a little bit bigger, right? Which you would do if you went running or did any other sport as well. It's like just doing anything will will make your muscles you know a little bit stronger, but that plateaus out and stops very quickly. And if you want to keep getting bigger, you have to keep doing more and more and more and more. Right. And getting up at, you know, every three hours and having protein shakes and all of that stuff. So uh, it's not going to happen by accident. And uh, interestingly, I think, you know, probably just to, to round out this whole conversation, the notion that um, when you strength train with light, moderate, or heavy loads, you get the same amount of muscle growth um, if you do the same, you know, number of sets to failure or near failure. Uh, but if you train with heavy loads, you actually get more strength than if you train with moderate or light loads. And that is because muscle growth is not the only factor that determines mm. strength. You know, you've got your tendon stiffness, you've got your lateral force transmission between muscle fibers from the costomeres, you've got, you know, neurological drive to the muscles, how many muscle fibers you can activate at once. There are a few other mechanisms as well, like uh, load-specific coordination. But, you know, basically the point is that muscle strength is not the only factor that determines you know, muscle, sorry, muscle size is not the only factor that determines strength, although it's a very important one. Um, so if you train with heavy loads, right, versus light loads, you'll get the same amount of size, but you'll get more strength with the heavy loads, right? Or put another mm. way, right, if you wanted to gain a certain amount of strength, right, if you wanted to get 10% stronger or 20% stronger or whatever number, right, well, if you did that with heavy loads, you would put on less size to gain that same amount of extra strength compared to with light loads because light loads won't give you all those extra benefits. You have to build up the muscles a bit bigger than you would with heavy loads in order to get the same amount of strength, right? So if you want to get stronger and not bigger, what you should in fact do is lift heavy. Ow. Bam.
Bam. And to be honest, Raph, it's exactly what I found when I was doing my um, when I was getting quite quite uh, heavy with my leg press at the gym. And you know, I think I'd, I I feel like my PB was somewhere around the 110 kilo, and uh, I I felt freaking. Str- I remember not really being able to walk the next day. My legs were chilling. Remember when I messaged you and I was yeah. like, I don't actually know if I can cross t- the road. You were like, yeah, I'm <laughs> typing this from my bedroom. I'm stuck here. <laughs> I can't, like, like, the doms were real. Um, but, yeah, I did it. And I, but from, a, from you know, if we're talking about it, it, it was definitely the, I guess, for want of a better word, the leanest uh, I had been for years was when I was lifting the heaviest weights. Mm. Yeah. So, um. All right. So I guess message, the message is um, add more springs. Don't worry. Don't be, you know, it all. the only the only bad effect it's going to have is it's going to make you stronger. You know, yeah. bad, you know, bad was in air quotes. Yeah, exactly. And just celebrate your awesome self and, you know, fuck the marketing messages out there that, you know, long, lean, ridiculousness and not, uh, not a real thing. and yeah where the where the where the jeans you want to wear where the whatever you want to do and you know, <laughs> do you that's what yeah. I'm gonna say the next time someone says oh they're really fly I'm like oh. anyway anyway <laughs> so what do you think Ra? do we do we then jump into the next Myth, or do we? No, I think I think that's an hour. We call and nine it at that one. Yeah, and the, it's still. Oh, recording. it's an hour and nine minutes yeah. already. Oh, and it's still recording. Yes. So I guess we'll get okay. So when we when we started today's podcast, and I kind of rattled off a few of the myths, we've we've hit we've hit one really, haven't we? We've hit yeah. that lighter. That lighter is better. But I, I think you know what I, I really feel like. Um, you know, after teaching, I've been teaching people, like certifying people as Pilates instructors and fitness instructors for like seventeen years now, and it I really have really come to firmly believe that uh, it's better to spend take time and actually go through something in depth and sort of you know talk about it you know from a few different angles and you know think about the consequences of it and the implications of it and, and really to think it through rather than kind of glossing over and going, oh, well, here's a factoid, here's a factoid, here's a factoid. Yeah. Can, it kind of makes a lot more sense to people if they can sort of visualise it and think it through for themselves rather than just kind of yeah. like having to take your word for it. So I think it's better to I think it's better to address one thing properly or, you know, as properly as possible um, yeah. rather than kind of, you know, smush everything in together. Absolutely. But by the way, backbending's safe. Running's running's perfectly awesome for your knees and your back. What else? Do, what are the other ones? Running's great. Uh, what else? Do, uh, disc health. I mean, running, running and lifting heavy, both of those mm. <laughs> are good for you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, human, and hum, humans aren't machines. Humans are not machines, and and. You know, and we'll go over this in joint health, but you know, when you think about things like knee-OA, knee osteoarthritis, I mean, the 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 common consensus on best practice is exercise. Yeah, load through full range. Load, 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 
through full range, exactly. Let's just do a little tidbit on that because the the you know most of us, if we've heard of osteoarthritis, we probably have heard it referred to as a sort of disease of degeneration or wear and tear. Um, and in fact, it's probably uh, the case that that's not true. It's more of a disease of uh, not enough load rather than mm. too much. Uh, and there's a number of lines of evidence for that, which we'll go into when we uh, talk about joint health, maybe. Yeah, let's go into that. I love I love talking about joint health, so I'm mm. I'm 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 excited about that episode. But if you wanted uh, if you wanted healthy joints, what would you do? Short version. Move them through full range. Yeah, move your joints. Move your joints. Move them. Including and Pilates your spine. does a good job of that. Yeah, as long as as long, as long as you're not being told to like hold neutral all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Precisely. Mm. So thanks. It's been a a pleasure as always. It has. And I I enjoyed that the second time around as well. Mm. And seriously, Raph, every time I I know know everyone who's listening feels the same as I do. Every time I listen to you explain something, I learn something new. And I've been learning from you for how many years? It's a lot of years now. Mm. Like eight years? About eight years I've been learning. I've been learning from you and with you. Wasn't it more like 2010 or something when you did your first course with us? Twelve. 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 I've passed the eighth year anniversary of Mm. being qualified and actually teaching. So I'm into my ninth year, I guess now we would call that. Happy anniversary. Thank you. But, yeah, seriously, Ralph, you're just like you're such a just a, I don't know, you're just invaluable to our to our industry, really. You're such a game changer. So I feel very privileged to get to to work with you all the time and and, and keep learning. So thank you. And yeah. I know every, I know all our readers are feeling the same. Well, our readers, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> our readers. Thanks. I mean, I, you know, I'm grateful that you feel that way. And, uh, you know, the mutual admiration is mutual. But I think, uh, you know, what we've got here, but you know, with this podcast and also with Breathe Education, with our broader team, um, is, is something that's way bigger than, than one person. Um, and, you know, there are, like, the, the knowledge that I have, like, I'm, I'm you know, I, I enjoy having knowledge about this stuff and it really excites me to think about it and talk about it and learn about it. Um, but, like, there are, like, gazillions of academics who've got, like, way more knowledge about this than I do. Right, you know, I'm not the by far, the, you know, one of the most knowledgeable people about this stuff. Like, there are people that know just shitloads more than I do. Um, but the thing is, they're kind of locked away in university basements in some kind of sports science lab, you know, running experiments yep. or whatever, and and they don't have the opportunity or a platform to talk to you know lay people or not lay people, but basically professionals who, um, you know, have an interest in this. Uh, so I think, you know, the combination of us together is a great combination because, you know, you bring some like human dating advice. <laughs> well, you know, you're 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 much more warm and engaging and you know, animated and excitable and you know, you you're much better on Instagram and stuff and people DM you all the time, you know. So, you know, you're basically you're cool. I think. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's like I absolutely laughed when we did my uh, the testing for my dress rehearsal for um, the lecture I'm delivering tomorrow. And the sound, it's like uh, something happens with Chloe's sound. 
every time she gets it's every time she gets excited and then mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking well when am I not <laughs> when am I not getting excited we better sort that out because it's constant yeah I'd say it's like you know two or three times every sentence you know <laughs> um, but also I mean you have a fantastic brain and you're really great at asking you know really insightful questions and you have a you know a great ability to grasp you know, these concepts as well. So, you know, I don't think you should underrate your own intelligence and ability to, you know, I mean, you're fantastic at communicating this stuff as well in your own right. So. um, Thank you. Yeah, Um, this is very enjoyable. So thank you everyone. And um, we'll bring you some, we'll delve into another myth next week for you. Yeah. And if you're out there and if you, you know, if, if you're thinking about this and thinking, you know, and this kind of, you know, feeling like this kind of resonates and makes sense to you, and, you know, you read the show notes and read some of the papers or whatever. Um, well, the best thing you can do to cement this knowledge and really sort of start to own it is try and explain it to someone else. And in the act of explaining it, you'll realize which bits don't actually make sense to you. Like when you, when you hear someone else explain it, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But then when you go to explain it yourself, you're like, oh, <laughs> apparently it doesn't make as much sense to me as I thought yeah. it did. <laughs> so you have to really think it through, you know, in order to explain it. Um, and so I highly recommend if you can find someone who's vaguely interested um, or even just, re- you know, do it to your own voice memos on your phone or something. Um, it's, the, it's next random, the next random date you might go on, yeah. you know. <laughs> what do you think of running after 40? <laughs> would, you like, would you like an hour and a half lecture on cartilage and joint health? <laughs> That's – Okay, I'm starting to realise now why I might be single because, yeah, I would say that some of my conversations do go like that. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad I've been able to help in some Thanks, small Ra. way. Appreciate it. Um, and Thanks, how, everyone. If anyone's interested in going on a date with you, where, how can they reach you? <laughs> Any of you into running? Well, you guys know how to get me, Chloe Bunter Pilates, Instagram. <laughs> and we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes for anyone out there. <laughs> slash Chloe's dating service. I'm done with Tinder. I'm done with Bumble. Like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> What's Bumble? Is that where it's for women to select men or something? Like, is what, what's yeah, Bumble so, again? But, yeah, so Bumble, well, on Bumble, I've just deleted it actually because it just frustrated me. But Bumble is where the female needs to make the first uh-huh. move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like yeah. a good concept. Good concept. That doesn't, same, doesn't play out. Nah, yeah. nah. Right. Same one, same one. Like yeah. a lot of things. Anyway, oh, did everyone just everyone just went on? Oh, Chloe just got really unenthusiastic. Yeah, this is me. So unenthusiastic. Your mic sounded fine when you, you know. Right. Okay. Mm. <laughs> there that. we go. Well, maybe. Well, maybe when we need to calm me down, I just need to think about my dating life. No, there we go. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to calm you down. <laughs> I don't want to calm you. I didn't mean that to be a downer. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think. I think some. Some. You know. Enticing. Opportunities might arise out of this episode. You never know. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I uh, I'll be standing by my home. What, what are you looking for? <laughs> do, you have, do you have particular criteria? I know it when I see it. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any okay. any like deal breakers? Just like people who don't aren't into uh, fearless movement. Yeah, look, I do like the, the, the game. The deal breaker seems to be I know it when I see it too. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> God, right. I'm waiting for my DMs. Mm. Okay, um, good thanks, talk. Ralph. What a yeah. what a great way to end the conversation. See thanks, ya. everyone. Bye.
after two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.